friends, and welcome to this edition of the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Paul Hudrick, joined, as always, by Seamus Clancy. Seamus, we got some really good stuff to talk about and some not-so-good stuff to talk about. Of course, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Phillies. Fresh off a World Series appearance, adding, what, the second-best free agent on the market, uh, inking Trey shortstop Trey Turner, 11 years, $300 million. We'll get into the parameters of that. Uh, we're going to definitely talk plenty of Eagles. Big win over the Titans, the A.J. Brown revenge game that I think you and I both probably enjoyed very, very much. Uh, you in person, I'm sure. Um, and I was then, there, yeah. Yeah, and then we'll uh, definitely get into some Sixers talk. I know you have plenty of thoughts about the Philadelphia 76ers, and I think many do for, for good reason right now coming off a really, I mean, I, I said it last night, I, it's the worst loss of the season, but we'll get into all that. And if we have time, Maybe we'll talk on about the uh, the other dumpster fire in the city, the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, but first, we have to talk Phillies. Trey Turner's a Philly. Uh, it's if you remember last week, you and I we closed the pod, and you said maybe Trey Turner will be a Philly by the next time we talk, and I said no, it's not going to happen. And it sounded insanely optimistic. I thought yeah. we were going to get to this pod in February or March. We were going to be talking <laughs> exactly. about Trey Turner. Exactly. It's it's wonderful, and I, I'm assuming. Many factors are why we already heard about it. One, he they clearly wanted him. He was their top priority. He clearly wanted to be here for a multitude of reasons, right? I mean, uh, I've you know his wife is from New Jersey, right? Um, yes, Bryce represent Harper. for you. What's that? Represent for you. Yeah, absolutely. Did, do we know what part? I didn't see what part of Jersey. Uh, I didn't recognize the town, so yeah. it's probably not South Jersey to be probably honest. not. Probably more like Central or North. But anyway, but hey, Jersey pride, sure. Is Central Jersey a real thing? Not really, but okay. um, I have no taste because I have no rep in the states. So I'd like to fair. hear the New Jerseyans' opinion on that. There's gray area there, but I would say it's North and South, and there's a pretty. It's a pretty they might it might as well be two different states. And that's like not even an exaggeration. Like no, South Jersey yeah. is South Jersey's definitely more Philly-ish, and whereas obviously North Jersey's more New Yorkish, and that's just kind of the way that goes. But oh, like the, the way Philadelphia isn't part of Pennsylvania to me. It's it's just, it's its own entity. I don't yeah, I don't I would never I tell anyone saying. I'm from Pennsylvania if I was introducing myself to so and it's just so different I on love that. We're not even getting into like socioeconomic political so it just it's it's yeah. its own thing. Well, that's even so even for me, like if, if I go somewhere like out of town, I will I I will say like I'll say, you know, Jersey, but I'll say right outside of Philly. That's the like perfect that, way to say it. Yes. that context is very important. <laughs> um, and I am like I can, you know, I could, you know, with on, a, on the right enough day, I can see the skyline from my from my window. But anyway, um, so that's obviously a big factor into why he signed so quickly. Bryce Harper being his buddy. They'll be here. They'll be buds for a long time. Um, 11 years for Trey, 300 million, no opt outs, no trade clause. So he is a Philly um, into his 40s. So that's really the rest of his career. He is not he's not going anywhere. He's going to be a Philly for life. Bryce Harper's going to be a Philly for life. Uh, anyone who's complaining about what the Phillies payroll might look like in 2030, you are. A oh, my player. God, that tweet, that tweet. <laughs> I, went, I was losing my effing minds when I saw that tweet. It's like. If they win one World Series, one, over the next five or six years, first of all, actually, it, it doesn't matter if they win a World Series because this is a move you if make just, in order to try to get the to the playoffs the and in the World Series mix for the next half dozen years. Who gives a shit? Because I, it's the same thing I. as before. Like, would you have traded 
that run from 2007 to 2011 for the next 11 years before yes. this year without I, I a, do it again a question. Every single Phillies fan is taking that. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't necessarily result in that, but I think legitimately you have a chance in the next five years to contend for a World Series. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs every single year. I'm not saying they're going to make the Fall Classic every single year, but they're going to be in the mix. And that's really all you can ask for for your baseball team. I'm such an anti-bootlicker guy, but <laughs> John Middleton is doing exactly what an owner should do. He has a smart general manager in place who's well-connected, well-liked around the league amongst fellow organizations and agents and players. And he does not give an F about how much money he's going to spend. What else can you say? He, they have, I think, on five or six players, all of their contract totals are over a billion dollars. It's wild. This isn't Bill Giles, 1998, <laughs> Phillies claiming they're a small market. They're outspanning the New York friggin' Yankees right now. I love it. I love it. I mean, good for the city. Good. I this is. It. Yeah. I'll start licking his boots, buying more <laughs> black and mild. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm I'm getting a tobacco addiction just to support John Middleton <laughs> and Trey Turner's contracts. Uh, it's worth it. No, it's not. That's horrible. What a horrible message we're sending the children. No. Um. <laughs> you're right. It's. That's all you can ask an owner to do, right? Like, just don't be cheap. Spend the money. We know you got it. Like, you're all billionaires. Spend the money. And multi-billionaire. Multi-billionaire. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so he's made it clear. Money's not going to be an option for him. And nor should it be. But, yeah, you got to give the guy kudos. Because there are, I mean, you know, granted, yeah, Philly's a big market. But like you said, like, in the 90s and early 2000s, they didn't act like a big market team. That's why Scott They literally Rowland, said they thought they were a small right. market team. That's why Scott Rowland got traded. That's why, you know, well, you know, he sucks as a person now, but Kurt Schilling, that's why Kurt Schilling got traded. Like, that's why these guys got traded, because the team didn't want to spend money to, one, pay them properly, and two, fill out the roster properly. So guys left. Like, that's it's it. Like, in retrospect, Scott Rowland's the one guy, and I've always, I'm such a huge I'm, I'm still. Uh, I wear. I, I bought a Scott Rowland jersey on eBay last year. I wore it to a bunch of games. Love him. Parties um, this year. I still think he's the best defensive player I've ever watched in person. Um, I still feel pretty good about that. Uh, I'd, I'd say yeah for me. Yeah, Jimmy Rollins is is pretty damn close, but I would actually put Scott Rowland just slightly ahead because of how just when he was here in his prime, and if he didn't have to deal with that damn astroturf, who knows? Um, but it's funny looking back at that now. Because we were all kind of, I mean, I remember as a kid being like almost pissed, like it's Scott Rowland. But now that I yeah. understand like economics and Same the way, way things Same go, um, I totally now I, I totally blame the Phillies and I damn them for Scott Rowland not being a Philly for. Imagine him on that core because not that it was necessarily a weak link, but the the least great part of their third base, their infield was third base. And with they respect went with to Pedro Feliz. Feliz. Yeah. And then, I mean, Polanco comes Polanco. in and yeah. uh, the last couple of years of that run, and he's an all-star caliber player, but I don't know, Scott man. Maybe they, maybe they won it all in 2007. Maybe they beat the Yankees in 2009. He was on that, he was on that Reds team they beat in the uh, 2010 divisional round. Maybe he's on their side and the Phillies get past the Giants. Yeah. Now that was, and that's why I, I lament things like that. And that's why, and I like you and I talk about all the time, this, you almost have to go through these moments because it makes signing a Trey Turner that much sweeter when the team isn't that, when they are the big boys, when they are 
whipping out the money, when they are spending Yankees money, when you have the Yankees fans freaking out because they might not bring back Aaron Judge. And meanwhile, the Phillies are like, World Series, not good enough. Uh, bye, Gene Segura. We're going to replace you with Trey freaking Turner. It's it, it's just it's such a good feeling as a Phillies fan, knowing that the organization is trying to win and doing everything they possibly can to win and bringing in a guy like Turner. I don't think they're done. Oh, I don't think they're done either. Do you want to no. hear a little Twitter gossip thing? Uh, yes. Carlos Rodon, who I don't necessarily expect him to sign. I think it's more likely the Phils package some of their prospects to go trade for an established starter rather than signing one off the market for financial reasons. But Carlos Rodon's wife has liked a couple of tweets about the Phillies and Trey Turner joining the Phillies. I don't know if she's, you know, really online and a huge troll or there is something there. So that could be fun. Fun I'm speculation. Connect. I'm connecting all fun the speculation. Dots. Man, that, that rotation would be filthy. It, well, and then you, when you consider that Ranger Suarez, uh, Ranger looks, Suarez is your number four, man. Yeah, exactly, and you're gonna have becomes... and you're gonna have Griff McGarry, uh, Andrew Painter, and and Mick Abel fighting for like the fifth spot. Like, dude, when they come up in the playoffs wild. as the you know 2008 David Price style as future potential aces coming in and being high leverage guys in October. I mean, the Phillies survived the pretty shaky bullpen in the postseason. They didn't. I don't think they lost any of the games in like the World Series because of that. There were a lot of other factors at play. They, they, were, they, them, they really yeah. they, they they won them some games in the postseason, yeah. I think. But having those high leverage guys come in will be very sweet to watch. And the way people think, like this, this roster is in its prime, and it is, and the the window is the next couple of years. Uh, there could be help on the way with the with the the rotation, as you know, we'll see what happens with Aaron Nola's. Uh, once he hits free agency, what happens when Zach Lurs deals up? What happens with whatever uh, starting pitcher they require this offseason again by a trade, free agency, whatever? There is some semblance of a pipeline, at least for pitching and yeah. pitching prospects, way more fluky than traditional prospects. <laughs> there was such a uh, you know a phrase in like mid two thousands, early late two thousands analytical culture of there's no such thing as a pr- pitching prospect because of the way injuries derail that more than positional players and all of that, but, you know, either they come up and make some strides late in the season, or maybe next time we talk, they've been packaged for different starting pitcher. So we'll see. They have ammo. Yeah. And it's such another refreshing thing because they didn't have ammo for years because their farm system was garbage. Um, Matt Clintech did not do a very good job with this team. They did not build a good farm system. And that's why you have to sign Trey Turner for $300 million and why you have to go out and sign a Bryce Harper. Not that I'm complaining about either of those things, but the point is when you whiff so often on draft picks and you don't develop talent well, this is why you got to spend a lot of money. Now I'll say, I think that's what's been so good about Dombrowski as well is not only has he used the owner's money wisely, he's also developed the talent behind that. Yeah. What you're talking about with pitching High school pitchers, no one drafts high school pitchers anymore because everyone was scared off of them. The Phillies said, all right, well, guess what? If you're going to let these guys follow us in the draft, we're going to take them. And so far, those two picks, at least those two picks, we're speaking of Painter and Abel as high school pitchers, both look like they got a shot to be pretty damn good. Uh, Painter, it seems like, has a chance to be special, special. Um, Abel still has a chance to be special, too. And then McGarry is a guy they got in the middle rounds. But um, also, another that if, like to your point, if he doesn't become a starter, certainly has the stuff to eventually become, you know, perhaps a, a very dominant high leverage reliever. Speaking of relief pitching too, I thought 
Dombrowski's comments about relief pitching were kind of, um, how do I put it? Uh, well, he, he left it a little tell, ambiguous. Tell the audience what he said, because I don't so, even know what he said. So something to the extent of he was asked about it, and he said they will not be targeting a closer necessarily because that's not really the way they choose to use their bullpen and because they have, but they are looking for another high, quote unquote, high leverage guy. That's exactly what so, they should the, uh, To me, I read that between the lines of like, we're not actively looking for a closer, but if there is a closer that becomes available, we might have some interest. And the one guy that I see, you see the White Sox, Liam Hendricks is a guy that's being uh, thrown out there and he would look mighty good here uh, pitching in the late innings. Uh, but, the, but the point being, we're, Dave Dombrowski is not just content with Sir Anthony Dominguez, not just content with Jose Alvarado, even though those guys were really good in the playoffs and, and at the end of the season for the most part. He wants to add more. He wants to add more arms to the back of that bullpen, and it's 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 so he's so proactive and like he's just he's just a damn good executive, man. Everywhere he's been, he's made those teams better. And the Phillies were a mess. Yes, you had Bryce Harper. Sure, you inherited Bryce Harper. You inherited JT Romuto. Um, the Wheeler contract is the one thing that Clintech really got right. Like that that contract was an absolute steal. Um, looking back on it right now, but. Dave Dombrowski inherited a mess and he cleaned it up and continues now to the point where not only has he cleaned it up, but now it's, it's better than we, I would say we could even imagined, you know, a couple years removed from Clintac being gone. Tell us a year ago that this is the situation that Phillies face currently, given what has transpired this past season and what the expectations will be for 2023. Phillies took, that was a surprise run in the world series this year. They ain't surprised anyone next year. They have, as of yesterday, the sixth best odds to win the World Series. And amazingly enough, they are third in the NL East to win the World Series just because of how deep this division is. The Phillies are in the best division in baseball. It won't be an easy fight to the postseason, but uh, would be massive disappointment not to at least grab another wild card spot like they did this year. I thought the, the Mets going full geriatric with their starting pitching is wild. I mean, Verlander had his best year this this past year, so I think he can still be... Sure. Yeah. But he's still 40 years old, or soon to be 40. He, the next year is his age 40 season. I'm really yeah. good about those dumb things. I know, you really are all over those. Um, And then Scherzer, who obviously did not pitch well in the post. And quite frankly, Verlander, I mean, he wasn't very good in the World Five, Series. 540 ERA against the Phillies in the 10 innings. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, listen, and, and you're right. Like, there's a there's a chance that Verlander is still Verlander, but and you're also just and they've been, he's been mostly healthy, although he did have one one pretty big setback. But it's it's gonna wear. Like it, we've we saw it right, like with Halliday, with Cliff Lee, it can happen. Like yeah, it can happen it, like that. Roy Halliday pitches one of the best games of his life in Game Five of the 2011 NLDS, one uh, one run game. Next year, he was never the same. He threw his arm out that game, yep. and that was it. And he's done. Not wishing right. ill will on people, but no, well, Justin Verlander could get there right. next year, and maybe he's not ready for the World Series. Again, not saying that's the case or someone's wishing for that to happen, but no, you never but know it's what a, pitchers it's a risk. Yeah. It's, it's just saying that it's a huge risk if you're the Mets to pay a lot of money to those two guys who are not the youngest guys in the world. Both great. Both had great. They're both first ballot guys, without a doubt. You could argue that. A, a, at points, both of them throughout their career were the best pitcher in baseball. I agree. It's just, 
whew, it's a lot. It, it, it's a lot to throw your money onto. And I feel, I feel personally feel better about the Philly situation, even though Verlander and Scherzer have more. Although maybe this, is, this is maybe a little bit more unfair to Wheeler because of how good he was in the postseason, even though he was, you know, not quite right. But I, but Scherzer and, and Verlander have more dominant potential. You know what I mean? Like they have, it, it's more likely for them to throw like a no hitter in the postseason or something wild yep. like that, or just be completely dominant. They're more but, old school compared to the way pitchers are used now. It. Like if, if Justin Verlander is feeling it and he thinks he's going to go, he can go eight innings. He's going eight innings. You know? Yeah. Well, You're wearing just, a just Philly shirt dominance and just, you know what I mean? Like, like, like I could see like Scherzer could throw up a 15 strikeout game at any point in the season. Yeah. Whereas we, if Walt Wheeler or Nola did that, while it wouldn't be a total shock, it would be pretty, you know, it wouldn't, it would be the noteworthy first time I think one, Right. Like with Scherzer, that's, a, you know, for at, at stages in his career, that was a Tuesday night. You know what I mean? Like he just did that. But, um, uh, but as far as stability goes, as far as longevity goes in the, in the long haul of the season, and now I feel better too. Like now that Wheeler and Nola got that taste of the postseason, I feel like they're both going to be better prepared for when, when, and if the team makes the playoffs again, how to kind of do that. And I think the Phillies will be better. You know what I mean? I just, all of that, I think are all good things. And I'm very excited to see what Ranger Suarez uh, brings to the table. I'll end the Phillies discussion on this. Where does Trey Turner bat in the lineup? I don't think they're moving Schwarber off the leadoff spot. Agreed. And I understand the concerns there, having a low batting average guy up there, a guy that strikes out a lot. But I will say they went on this entire run with him hitting leadoff. I'm sure he's comfortable hitting leadoff, and I'm even sure he likes hitting leadoff. There were a lot of issues when Joe Girardi was in the clubhouse. He leaves, fresh air comes in, Rob Thompson gets promoted. And if that clubhouse, if that dynamic plays plays better, works with everyone – with Schwarber hitting leadoff, then Schwarber's going to hit leadoff. I'm with you. I mean, I mean, I would hit him. I would hit Trey Turner first, but it's fine. <laughs> I, I think second would not be a bad option either. I think he. Um, I think he's hit, hitting in the top two. I would imagine he hits second. Yeah. You know, lefty, righty, lefty. I mean, uh, or Schwarber's. I mean, listen, it, there, there is one school of thought where, I, and you, you're not wrong about breaking up the lefties, but. Would it be the worst idea ever to bat Bryce Harper second and Trey Turner third and have Trey Turner, I, I would Trey Turner that, protecting I, Bryce Harper? I don't think they would. The I, idea. I don't know Bryce, if they would either. But would that Bryce, might be something does that Bryce is, want to hit second? I, I don't necessarily think so. I think he likes hitting third or fourth. So I, 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 I would hit him second, though. Yeah. I, I love the idea. I mean, I I've, I am a new school guy, and I've come around on this where it's like, just get Bryce Harper as many at-bats as humanly possible. So I don't care where he hits, but he's got to me, he's got to be top three because I want him to get as mi- and I think that's why I, I've really come around on Schwarber leading off because just get him to the plate, get him at bats, um, and, and just because every time he got every time he has a, ch- a bat in his hand, you have a chance to score a run. So just get them to the damn plate. Um, I don't care. So what I would do was my yeah. dream line. I'm coming up with it has the splits. It has Bryce higher in the order. Put it Trey first, righty, Bryce okay. second, lefty. I want Bryce to have more at bats than he's had. I think there were a lot of instances in the postseason where. He's leading off innings because he was hitting mm. fourth and then otherwise. Yeah. Uh, I'd have JT third, keep the splits going. Schwarber was that cleanup, which I think sure. has there ever been a better, not a better cleanup hitter, but a more fitting cleanup hitter ever, right? And then you have Hoskins fifth, who, whatever, but I think he's hit fine hitting fifth right now. And then you have the guys at the end of the lineup, Scott, Marsh, Castellanos. Castellanos. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's my, my thinking was you're, you've had. Realistically speaking, yeah, I, I don't see Schwarber moving from the leadoff spot. So I think Turner hits second, Harper third, 
probably keep Ramuto fourth. I would and keep then, JT fourth. Yeah, and then have and then Hoskins, ha, Hoskins, Castellanos flip a coin fifth and sixth. I don't think it really Whoever's matters. Hot. Me, actually, you know what? I might go Hoskins fifth only because he can get on base. You know, when he's going and he can work a walk, whereas Castellanos yeah. is swinging at freaking everything. So I, I might just hit him sixth for that reason. Yeah, and then you know, and then from there on, uh, Boom Stott. I mean, Boom Boom's gonna be your seven hole hitter. That feels pretty good. Uh, Boom Stott. Who am I missing here? Who? Who? Oh, and Marsh. Yeah, Marsh. Marsh probably bats at ninth, which is fine. You could you could do worse at the nine hole for him, please. Uh, especially with he's what not he there gave. for he's not there to hit three hundred. He's there to hit like you know two sixty and play great center field that's why he's here i mean he um, had some highlights in the postseason on yeah. the plate he had the, the game oh he's improved he, yeah. he got much better when he got here and i think Still that's going to continue i yeah, think so that's going to continue that was, um that was such a good pickup man it was such a good pickup. it really was by the way you asked uh pre-podcast my jersey and that is of course it is my guy brandon marsh oh is it yeah oh that's yeah. awesome i got a marsh jersey i actually got it when like, did you get it yeah like like the week he got here <laughs> no uh, way were you really high well, on him like I like. I, I got to be honest with you. The vibes, I the love beard, the, wet the hair. beard, the hair, and he's like, I, like, and I mean this like affectionately. He is a, he's a fucking weirdo, but I, I love it. Um, those Dude are the job. kind of guys. I, yeah, it's the kind of guy that I gravitate towards immediately. Um, and he did not disappoint in any regard for me. Uh, but I, but I think too. He's a guy that, and I, I've mentioned this before, like he had a lot of tragedy in his life over the past couple of years. And yeah, we discussed that previously. Yeah, yeah. and a, so I think a year in this system, a year with Kevin Long and an offseason this year, I, I think he's got a chance to be, yeah, a, a pretty pretty good hitter. And that's all, like, if he's an okay hitter, that's great. That's right? a huge win. Yeah, so, and again, he's going to be back in ninth. There's bottom, the bottom three of Stott, Bohm, and Marsh. And they're all young guys too, right? So they all have potential to be daycare. So it's yeah, daycare exactly. I, it's very very positive. Wow, Phillies, fighting. Oh, well. Imagine, remember, do you remember that free uh, playoff podcast? Yeah, uh, we're well, just like this is this is fucking stupid. Who cares? They're going to lose well, on the first weekend. Kind I'll of. say no. I'll, I'll say this. You're right that we definitely were like yeah, the very first pod we did. Yes, and I feel like we were like that for like the first like. Three or Two four or pods. Yeah. But once they clinched, I felt like you and I turned a little bit and then we we're like, okay, they're in it. Like this just is just ride actually, the wave, ride the right. wave. Like it was actually fun at that point. And like it was fun to see them celebrate and all that. So I think that got once the, once we saw them clinch, that, that got our juices flowing a little bit. Now, did I anticipate them going to the World Series? Hell no. But I enjoyed the ride. And I'm it's one of those situations where um I couldn't be more happy that I was wrong. Just thrilled tickled to death to be wrong another one that i'm tickled to death to be wrong about well that wasn't wouldn't say 100 wrong and i said jalen hurts looks like a freaking mvp uh we're going to talk more about jalen hurts and the philadelphia eagles and their win over the titans but first we're going to take a quick break on the thirsty dogs drink faster podcast we'll be right back with more after this another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back and we're talking Eagles with a thoroughly dominant victory. Seamus, many people build this as the Eagles' stiffest test to date. Every every week is everyone says that. And it's like I wrote that this week. It's like, oh, like the Eagles haven't faced anyone, but every week somehow that's their toughest test yet. Oh, and the road against Indianapolis and against the Jag- Giants Doug Pe- next week. Doug Pearson start Jaguars, Minnesota, Dallas. All right, and then what's going to happen this week? Oh, their road divisional game against a 7-4 team. Yeah. Oh, Dallas on Christmas Eve. Brian Dable. I think, well, I think we're coach. both very high on, so I shouldn't. I, oh, yeah. It's not even an ish talk thing there. We're I mean, the, the, Dable, but. the talk of him being coach of the year was premature, I'd say that, though I think well, he sure. he's still going to get – yeah, he'll still get some love for that. Um, Well, the, the greatest feat he's done is make Daniel Jones look average because Daniel Jones absolutely stinks, and he's been average this year. I think so. Derek Carr is their quarterback next year. Interesting. Interesting. That I would think, be a pretty good I, fit, I think. And but. I think Tom Brady replaces Derek Carr <gasps> in Las Vegas. Oh, my. The reunites with Josh McDaniels. I Some think really Tom nice skilled players there. Brady I think, retires. I think he goes back to, <laughs> do you think he goes back to New England? That's a really big talking I point. I think now. he goes back to his home and stays there this time. <laughs> It's a yeah, because he's alone now. He doesn't have to hang out with his fucking wife and kids who he clearly didn't like. She left. She's gone. He's just hanging out. What he what's he doing? Just Antonio yeah, Brown over in my house. Antonio Brown moves in again. Like <laughs> oh my god, was that a sticking point? Maybe maybe Antonio Brown moved in. Was that where it started? It's like it was uh, a you me and Dupree situation, which is L Tom and Antonio Brown, maybe. That joking, is whole you me and Dupree. Wow. Wow, Sorry. that's a good cast. It is a good cast, not a good movie. Era, yeah, that's <laughs> a peak. That's a peak. That movie could only exist in like 2006 or whatever. Right, because that, that was like yeah, Owen Wilson was still riding the wedding crashers and wave. Had Matt Dillon, so and what? Matt uh, Dillon, man. Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson was the was the wife. Yeah, she was also riding high at that point. I feel like that was kind of her peak at start. I watched Almost Famous for the first time recently, which seems really off really as like first a huge time. music guy. Just never, just never caught it. Uh, but watched it a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, very on brand. Loved, adored it. Yeah, yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. Great flick. And it's a feel. It's feel good. It's feel good. But it's it's great. Uh, yeah. And yeah, like it's. I'm a sucker for most kind of music movies like that too. And it's, sure, yeah. but it's always weird when when they when you try to do like the fictional band route and all that kind of stuff. But they played it very well. I thought it was, was going to cool. be more not necessarily factual because it is kind of based on there's real you know, stuff real life. There's real stuff in it. So I didn't yeah. know if they were going to go. Going and I didn't know if they were following, you know, Jefferson Airplane on, on the <laughs> on the road or a fictional band or what. But the way they handled it was pretty good, I thought. Jason Lee randomly being the lead singer too. Good stuff. I love Jason. Who doesn't love a Jason Lee? Yeah, good. I'm a big Kevin Smith guy, so of course I love Jason Lee. Um, I I just went goatee and I, I was wearing a backwards that Phantoms had. I wear a lot on here. I was yeah. wearing that backwards and I had the goatee. I'm like, I had like a, a leather jacket I just bought from like some vintage store. Long line. I'm like. I just look like fucking Kevin Smith, Silent Bob, <laughs> right now walking around the city. Love it. 
Love it. Uh, but yeah, the Eagles, they're good at football. Um, 11 and one now. They whoop, whoop the Titans. Yeah. Um, AJ Brown's so good. He got a GM fired. Like that's how good this guy is. Um, That's one of those articles. That's uh, like, it's a funny news. And I was like, I should definitely write an article on this. That like everyone is like people, old people on Facebook. That's a, that's how I decided an article. that seems stupid. I said, well, an old person on Facebook think this is funny in a really dumb way. And then I wrote it. And then it'll get a million clicks and you'll be like, yes. My most read article this week was uh, an article that was like 200 words where Ndamukong Sue tweeted, I'm happy that I came here. Yes. It's better and better, right? That outs in like the really, you know, detailed story I did on Devante Smith's route running with quotes from Sirianni, a couple of videos. Like that does nothing. But hey, the guy says, I love being in Philly. Mm -hmm. Boom! Everyone reads it. Everyone loves it. It's the way. It's it's the way of our our field, unfortunately. No, and that's it's the I, less time you spend on an article is directly proportional to how much people read it. It does feel that way. Attention spans, man. None of us have them, including us. We don't have any, we don't have attention spans either. Um, because yeah. we're clearly we're on a Philly sports podcast that we just started talking about almost famous. So clearly we we are part of the problem. But what's so crazy about Jalen Hurts is. A week ago against the Packers, he sets the the team's rushing record for a quarterback, right? And then this week, it was for almost four hundred yards and four and scores and throws for three touch throws for three and runs one in, right? Yeah. Um, like it's just it, I, w- the one thing I, I think, and what what I mean, what makes the Eagles so good? Obviously, no glaring weaknesses, which we've touched on before, and also, I guess it ties into it, but the ability to hone in on your strength and stop it and find your weakness and exploit it. Like you, we all knew it was going to happen, right? Derrick Henry's going to get the ball. What do the Eagles struggle with run defense? So it's like, all right, run defense. We have to step it up there. They have Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback, make them throw the ball. Uh, offensively they're They were, I believe they're, they were the top rush defense in the NFL coming in. Correct. Um, so I don't know if they okay. were at the top, but they were a very good, tough very physical good. run yeah, defense they, team. Right. Uh, but against the pass, middle of the pack. So Jalen Hurts, here's the ball, carve him up. And he did just that. And to your point, Devontae Smith, like you talked about, man, you can't, you cover him one on one, man. You better put your, you better put, he's, he's planting this way, looking the other way. And before you know it, he has the ball and it's a 24 yard game. He is one, uh, I mean, he has to be one of the best route runners in the NFL. And I think what also, too, what's helped him recently and in general, like Jalen hurts trusting him and Jalen hurts trusting himself where the, those, the timing on some of those throws is just perfect. And that's the stuff he was not doing in the past that he is just miles ahead of where he was this time last year, where he, before the guy, before like he's two steps away from his break, Devonte Smith and the ball's already out of like uh, out of hurts hand. Like it's, the way he has progressed, it's so impressive. And I remember before the season started, people were throwing out the Josh Allen, like, oh, this was Josh Allen and his whatever, third year as a starter, he took this leap. Those were and so I'm, dumb, but and I'm like, this is dumb. This is ridiculous. <laughs> he's an exactly outlier, but now we have Josh another Allen. outlier. We have two outlier. outliers now. And, and now it's like, them. well, now I uh, now I am the stupid one. I wanted to trade for Russell Wilson. I'm an idiot. 
because Jalen Hurts is a freaking MVP candidate and a very, very, very legitimate one. I he's think second his, in, he's second in betting odds. Mahomes is, is he still minus, minus, minus 125, and I believe Jalen is plus 175. Okay, so we're still – they're still – Well, pretty- I think – yeah, I think the momentum swung a little bit. I thought Mahomes was going to yeah. run away with it, but the last two performances, especially coupled with Mahomes keeps turning into his kryptonite, that is Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> I think there's a shot if – uh, Kansas City, maybe, maybe they don't finish in the top two in the AFC. It is a very tough conference. It's a more deep, uh, better rounded conference than the NFC is. But hey, if the Eagles are 15 and one and then have to rest their starters the last week of the season, Jalen Hurts led a 15 and one team, did a little bit of everything, could excel at whatever he wanted to. The narrative's there. Obviously, well, I- who's a better quarterback? Who would you rather have? Patrick Mahomes, maybe the most talented quarterback to ever live. Right. But this season, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is kind of the story of the NFL this year. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. It's the Eagles are certainly the talk of the league. They have the best record by a by a couple games. They have the best record in the NFL, and their quarterback, who a lot of people were questioning coming in, is playing absolute lights out football. Not he questioning if have, he could if he was great. Questioning if he was even a starter in the right, NFL. Right. It, it, the Eagles are going to be there. looking into drafting a quarterback next year. Right. Like that's where we were coming into the season now we're talking all right is he gonna is he gonna command 50 million dollars a year uh in his next contract but yeah there, there's a couple games that feel like I, I i know we started this off talking about joking about tests but if he beats the giants on the road he beats the cowboys on the road on christmas uh, christmas eve with a lot he's of eyes on him he's got to get the i think winning on saturday football against dallas was big because he had yet to beat yeah. dallas in his career mm-hmm but I think beating them at full strength on the road with Dak there. And uh, that is a Saturday game with a, the weird Christmas schedule, but mm-hmm. most of the games are played on Saturday. I think there's only one other game on that time. And it's a CBS game. I think that'll be like the Fox national game of the week. So oh, I'm sure everyone around, everyone around the country is watching that game. So kind of a de facto primetime game, nationally televised game for him. He wins there. doesn't have to have the greatest. He doesn't have to go, 383 touchdowns, pass rating of 130.3 again. But if he guts out a win against America's team, you know, all that bullshit, the way they're getting hyped up, you know, ESPN's power index FPI thing has the Cowboys with a 50% chance of making the Super Bowl more than more than the Eagles. You know, it goes down there and again gets that Dallas thing hanging over and gets that out of there. Give it to him. Give it to him. Why is that you think that? Despite the Eagles being eleven and one, despite them winning mostly in dominant fashion for most of the season, why is it that the Cowboys? Uh, is it just simply Dak? Like Dak has it's, it's, experience. It's fun or... to talk about for the national media. I'm not just doing like, oh, the national media sucks thing. Like, you talk about the Cowboys more often. You're going to get more <laughs> attention, course. whether that's from Cowboys fans, obviously a lot of them across the country, a lot of the world, or Cowboys haters, who's essentially everyone else in the country, right? Yeah. So I get that aspect of it. I get the glamour. I get the idea that, again, Cowboys are good. That's good for business, not just for the NFL, not just for Jerry Jones, but for all the TV networks, for all the media outlets. I get that. And I think part of it is that Dex, Dak Prescott, you know, the, the Wentz-Dak debates look mm-hmm. insanely foolish now. And he's yes. a very, very good quarterback. And Jalen Hurts was this unproven guy, has been since he was in college. Thought he w- People thought he was overdrafted. In the second round, more of a day three pick than the day two pick. Shouldn't have got benched for Jalen Hurts. Shouldn't 
you know, Carson Wentz shouldn't have got benched for him, shouldn't have been the starter, shouldn't have been this, shouldn't have been that. And people are beholden to these old takes, not trying to say do like an old takes exposed thing on people. People are beholden mm-hmm. to their previous notions, uh, you know, preconceptions of what Jalen Hurts is as a quarterback that they're really reluctant to let go of that and understand who he is in December 2022 is not who he was in November 2020 or December 2017, January 2018 during that national championship game. That's not who he is anymore. He's not that quarterback. He's a smarter runner, more intelligent, higher football IQ. That's only who's had a great one forever. Uh, you know, the intangibles are still there off the charts, but he's doing that in the NFL locker room at 23, 24 years old, as opposed to commanding Alabama as a freshman, which still amazing thing, whole different level when you get to the NFL. And I, I guess- love that point. And defensively, they don't. In terms of just the Eagles' a conversation, defensively, a lot of good players. No huge, super duper star. There's no. There's no Watt brother. There's no Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, Parsons, form, former name, mm-hmm. not that player anymore. Hassan Reddick, very good player. Javon Hargrave, very good player. I think both are deserving of Pro Bowl nods this year. You know, the average NFL fan might not know those guys. I mean, maybe it's 50-50 guys know who they are they're not you know the mega star their jerseys aren't being worn by people let alone in philadelphia the, the entire country you know kids asking for a holiday christmas gift no no kid in san diego is asking for hassan reddick jersey the way they might for micah parsons jersey so i think that's part of it and it's not just the philly versus everyone thing no one wants to admit jalen hurts is good but there's a very clear thing if you're following a lot of national writers on twitter a lot of draft people they don't necessarily want to admit that they were wrong previously and want to be as skeptical as Hertz about Hertz until it's impossible for them to do so. And maybe that doesn't happen until he wins a playoff game or two, or even Royce Lombardi trophy. At this point, if you're still beholden to those takes, because it's a great point by you, if you're still beholden to those takes, you're just, an, you're either an idiot or a hater. People don't want to go down on the ship. Right. You just gotta so eat I, it. Like, I never understood that, man. I <laughs> thought Nick Foles was gonna suck shit when Carson Wentz got hurt going in the playoffs. We I all wanted, did. I wanted like Tony Romo come out of the booth, sign Kaepernick, yeah. sign sign Kaepernick, anyone. Whatever, yeah. Okay. And you know, someone tried to do a god I say this all the time in February or something or March. Someone was like, pull up an old tweet. Oh, do you feel like an idiot about this? And I was like, Yeah, man. I'm so fucking mad the Eagles won the Super Bowl. You got me. I'm so upset that Nick Foles went off like this. Just just own it. I've been hey, wrong a million times. You've been I wrong wanted to trade for Russell Wilson. We'll I be wrong a million times for the rest of our respective careers. But I think both of us have the, I guess, rationality, emotional intelligence to admit we're wrong and kind of laugh it off and say, hey, maybe I was wrong on that one. And if you're an Eagles fan, I get some people were skeptical of Hurts. I think there was some rationality with that. I think he could be a superstar. I always considered myself very pro Hertz person. Obviously, it wasn't always in my job, Philly Voice, the last two years, and kind of the Eagles online media scene. Obviously, I'm more of a in the press box, big J journalist now. But even then, when it's more kind of fan based writers and content creators, it really seemed like I was the biggest Hertz guy out there. And this isn't a pat on the back, just saying, hey, no one was really doing this, and now people are wrong and people are happy about it now. But I, I don't like to see people who are you know, still waiting for the other shoe to drop. Just, just enjoy it, right? I yeah, know people are thinking weird. like, oh, well, in the playoffs, they're going to figure them out. Like people not just doing, you know, straw man arguments, you know, text chains, people I know, family, friends, whatever. And I'm like, 
do, do you even want to be happy? Do you even want to enjoy right. the games? Like, what do you like that AJ Brown touchdown where Hertz throws it up for him, you know, makes that catch that you don't even understand how he caught the ball. Are you, are you upset about that thinking it's unsustainable? What's the point of being a fan? What's the point of watching? What's the point of, you know, living? What's the point of doing anything? But that's why you, that's why you traded for AJ Brown because he yes, does shit like they that. They put in a position to succeed. For him. Credit to Hurts for the development. Credit to head coach Nick Sirianni, offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson, Howie for all these moves stacking the roster starting last year. You have Devontae, you have AJ, obviously, and you have some other talented, smaller pieces around them. And it's the perfect situation with the perfect development, with the po- perfect coaching nucleus in place. This was all built for this year. Credit to everyone. Maybe it doesn't result in a parade down Broad Street in February. They've crafted a team that can compete this year. I believe our truly, truly Super Bowl favorites, I would be, I'm not saying disappointed, but I'd be shocked if they didn't make the Super Bowl. Really, I don't necessarily think they're going to win. AFC Conference, the conference, as I said earlier, tougher conference. I could see Cincinnati winning the Super Bowl. I could see Kansas City. I could see Buffalo. I think that's, that's a core three that, present a really tough challenge for the Eagles. Honestly, I think they should be favored in all those games. I think those teams have more flaws, even though they have the higher star power at quarterback. Hopefully they kick the crap out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm, I I agree with you that if this team, it'll be a, a mild disappointment if, if they are not the team representing the NFC for, in the Super Bowl. It will be because they look like clearly the best team they just do uh the dallas cowboys are very good it's there's no two ways about it you already hit the talked about you know dak and how good dak is and how he's ended any kind of debate about you know where he fits i mean he's 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 a really good quarterback top 10 quarterback top seven top eight easily 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 top 10 and yeah and you know on certain days and on the right week he looks like a top five guy absolutely they have they still have a, a they don't have the offensive line perhaps they had a couple years ago, but it's still pretty damn good. They Tony still, Pollard they, is, is yeah, amazing, man. They Tony have two Pollard's backs. That I, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is now kind of... Zeke stinks unless he plays against the Eagles. <laughs> oh. that's, the only times he's, that's the only time he's good. And I and I mean, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup, they have two really good weapons in those guys. I don't know if they've signed Odell Beckham. I don't know what Odell Beckham uh, is. Something came out that Odell is not going to be ready this year. I was planning on going like on an Odell gonna... route. This, yeah, he's getting wine and dine, and you know, I, I, I respect the griff, but it doesn't look like he's going to play this year. That's amazing. That was such such nonsense the way, and I get I we're talking about it, so we're part of it, whatever. But we're watching a pregame show for a Monday Night Football, and people are talking about if Odell's signing with the Cowboys. Yeah. Shut the ass. No, well, I mean, really, I mean, I, I brought it up to say, like, I don't even know how good he's going to be. Like, if they, if they, he's averaged like, like fifty-one receiving yards per game over the last three years. Yeah. The last see, time, last time he made a Pro Bowl, uh, it was Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson's first year right. in Philadelphia. He World did Tour. help. He did help the Rams win the Super Bowl. I mean, they, they, you could make yeah, the argument yeah, they don't yeah, get yeah. to the Super he's Bowl. A good and piece. Win it he's a good he's, great he helped. Piece, yeah. But yeah, but uh, but I'm with you that I like he's not. He's not the guy who made that catch on Monday Night Football like that. He's not that guy even close to it anymore whenever he does come back, even though he can be a useful football player. But now Corey I Clement had the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Where's the Corey Clement watch? Yeah. Where's he signing next? Well, he's with the Ravens, right? I think they might already cut him, though. I he's I, I've lost track. He's been yeah. in Dallas. He's been in New York. Um, Great guy, Corey. And uh, Glassboro, Glassboro, New Jersey's fine. I mean, Eagles Corey legend, Clement. and I don't use legend frivolously. Like yeah. this pet Eagles alumni of the game was Keith Byers from the Buddy Era fullback. There you go. 
Yeah. Very good back at receiving out of the backfield. Called him an Eagles legend. No disrespect. Very good Eagle. Probably a fan favorite. Eagles legends is a little much. Because the Super Bowl heroics, I would call Corey though. Fair Just, enough. Yeah. Certainly Nick Foles. Eagles yeah. legend. Um, Eagles go. What is less legendary is the play of the Philadelphia 76ers of late. They've lost three in a row. Ugly road trip. James Harden comes back Monday night in Houston and just frankly does not look good at all. Probably over gets overextended minute wise. Plays thirty eight minutes. What the hell? Game what, back. what was the minutes restriction thing? I apparently uh, I actually uh, Sean Kennedy minutes wrote something for us today. And it was perfect, and he said we were told there would be a a, a minutes limit, but a, but as Katie Heron once said, the limit does not exist. Um, perfect reference, but. Yeah, I, I don't know what the thinking is there. Having him play 38 minutes, I don't care if it's double overtime. I don't care if he's in Houston. I don't care if you have a chance to win. He should not be playing 38 minutes when he hasn't played. He missed 14 straight games, and it's December 5th. He should not be playing near 40 minutes. Joel Embiid fouls out. He was great offensively. He was, on, frankly, just not very good defensively. Has not been very good defensively over the last couple games. It's the worst 40-point game anyone's ever played. To plug another piece on Liberty Ballers, Jackson Frank wrote a really good in-depth piece on how saw that today. And yeah. Bead's effort defensively has really been very up and down, and unfortunately for the Sixers, it seems like that up and down is felt throughout the entire team. Not only because when he's not good, they're not good, but it also feels like as a leader, as the superstar of this team, when he does not have that energy and focus on defense, it trickles down to the rest of the team. So. I know you have some thoughts, so here's what I'm going to do. Tee it up. Go for it. I think they're back in basketball purgatory. I haven't seen this level of apathy for the team since that post-Iverson malaise. And there could be other factors. Eagles are 11-1. Phillies are on the, on the rails of this, this magical World Series run, and they sign a superstar shortstop. But I'm someone who, when I was 19-20, my dream was to be a Sixers beat writer. Maybe it's not the craziest, but just to be a basketball writer that I wanted that to be like, you know, a job I had in my twenties and move up and do all these things. And I was someone who watched religiously during that period. I talked about uh, Spencer Hawes. I absolutely hated them. I loved watching the Sixers team. I loved the energy with it. I, I just, it was a part of my part of my life. And in the process era, I think we're similar there. I, I really made a name for myself writing about the team at Liberty Ballers and places all around the internet. I, I carved out a niche, I, you know, became a writer because of that era. And I really engrossed myself in this team was still enjoying it. And then as I do other things, working freelancing, doing my own shit, you know, covering them in, you know, when Joel's finally playing, Ben's playing the Jimmy era, this, that, and there's all this excitement. It's fun. And the windows closed before it began. It feels like really, I, I do not believe in my heart of hearts they can get out of the second round. And speaking for all fans, what's the point of investing something? The brand of basketball is stale. They have legitimately two of, not necessarily the both this way, right this second, but two of the greatest offensive scoring threats, most efficient offensive scorers to ever live. The brand of basketball they play offensively is disgusting. The late game shit and bead who, again, a little bit of a gray area now is a media member. I, you know, I attend games, you know, with the press pass on and, you know, I'm not cheering there and shit. But 
you asked me two or three years ago, favorite player of all time, just as much as Iverson, stuff like that. He's doing the same shit in crunch time he was doing in the 2018 and 2019 playoffs. It's 2022 about the 2023 season. His game has gotten better, leaps better, better than even the staunchest and beat supporters during the 2014 draft and think. You know, a big man fought, you know, topped big man leading the, the NBA in scoring, wild stuff. The defensive effort for a guy who always says his goal is to win defensive player of the year. You know, what award do you think you're winning with the effort? And I get there's a there's a split, right? He can't be such an offensive focal point leading the league in scoring this high usage player and still be a dominant defensive presence, kind of like he was in 2018 or so, right? But there's a difference between not exerting all of your energy on defense and saving it for offense because you have that elite offensive punch and just making it look like you don't give a shit. And I don't want to be this old head saying like, oh, they don't get rebounds enough. Embiid's not a good rebounder. He's gets rebounds because of his size and physicality that is really unparalleled in the NBA. Seeing them get punked for offensive rebounds by Memphis, by Houston, it's embarrassing. And I think that is a trickle-down effect from their super, super duper star, not even just a superstar, a guy who on any given night is the best player in the NBA. And they have that in place. They have that key cog. And I still don't believe they can win anything. It absolutely positively sucks. And again, things have changed in my career, my writing. I, I do a shit ton of Eagles work. Philly voice from deputy sports editor. We don't have a, we don't have a dedicated Phillies beat writer. I do tons of Philly stuff. The Sixers don't have me caring about this team, whether as a fan, which not quite that way anymore, or as a journalist. And I understand why a lot of fans are tapped out. And I've seen that from, you know, people on Twitter, people in real life, people don't care anymore. And it's a shame. It's, it sucks. And, you know, maybe Harden snaps out of it, but do you guys snap out of it at 33? Not really. Maybe Tyrese makes a leap, but is Tyrese being a guy who makes an all-star team or two in his career over the next half dozen years, is that enough to really elevate this score to the next level? And I'm not even asking for a championship level. I'm just talking about a level that can make the friggin' conference finals. I don't even have, I barely have concrete memories the last time this team won a second round series. And I'm, you know, almost a decade in doing this journalism shit. And I thought, you know, what's going to happen with the Bynum trade and then the tanking and the process all in on all of these things. And what are we left at? I'm not saying we were sold, you know, ill goods by Sam Hinkie or even Colangelo, Elton Brand, Daryl now, who I uh, think is too online weird and couldn't have loved to hire more at the time. But, you know, the guy who red paper clipped his way to one of the greatest scorers of all time in James Harden has not worked the margins the way I envisioned him envisioned he would in the NBA and win with the Sixers. And that sucks. And I'm just like, on a Wednesday night, do I really want to watch the Sixers if I don't have a work obligation there? Or do I just want to throw on fucking HBO Max? And that's not hell. the way for you. I watched that game last night. I'm like, it was hell. I had to do some work with it with our great Sixers beater, Kyle Newbeck. 
And I'm like, what the hell am I want? I wanted the game to be over. Like, yes. And it's not even like a way I have like a concrete rooting interest now. It's different than it was before. I'm like, I don't give a, just 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 lose lose the yeah. game so I can someone get someone win go, this game so I can go yeah. to friggin bed. It's an eight o'clock game getting over than Monday Night Football and it's it's just one game right? It's just one game, but it's become like a microcosm of everything wrong with this team was that Monday Night yeah. loss. And if they don't play again on Friday, Servant has four days to sit in this shit. Yep. It sucks. It really sucks. I feel bad for. I'm not gonna say people cover them. I don't feel bad for me. It's, I have a great job. I get to. This is my job. Is bullshitting about the Sixers and Eagles and Phillies and Flyers. I get to watch you for the, the ball in a hole. I, but the, I but the, for the fans who've been so invested. I'm not even talking about people who sat through the process. I'm people talking about people who were there in the '90s. <laughs> Dana Barrows or people who suffered in those post Barkley years, the post Iverson years, the Bynum season. What are they left with? And again, I would trade this from what I, what they had in 2011, 2012. They have an MVP candidate every year. They have, uh, you know, an MVP, a former MVP passes prime. They have a really young up and coming guy. I would have traded that in a second for this, you know, five, 10 years ago, whatever. But man, it's, it's gotten here and it's disheartening that it's like this. And this isn't just me trying to spew takes, put fire on the organization, just kind of being real and coming from the heart and just saying, this is it. This is what we hoped for. This is what everyone dreamed of. This is what it was going to be. Is this, MB turns 29 this year, right? He's not young anymore. And that's not a great about Embiid. He's still a guy who averages 30 something a night. But man, uh, this is never the, the, this isn't the future I envisioned when I was in my Liberty Ballers days in my college era. And yeah, I feel bad for the fans. I mean, why be invested right now? And again, it's a situation the Phillies. I was saying that with the Phillies all year and then get some sparks and it changes. Everyone's back in. But I don't I don't know where that spark comes from. I don't know whether it comes from firing a coach, firing Doc Rivers. I would do it. Does it solve all those problems? Absolutely not. There's a lot of things going on. I feel bad for the fans, man. And I didn't take anything you said as hot takey because I, I, I yeah, it wasn't just being like the Sixers suck. No, I think fucking, what you're it's saying, just like, man, this is this, in line with how this people is, are this feeling. This is this is really what it ended up like. This was there were a million outcomes, and we and we hit the like the thought there were the nth percentile outcome. Thought you know if they even hit their eighty five percentile outcome, we would have saw a parade. Sixers ain't ever won a title in my life. I really don't believe that. Maybe people said about the Eagles before. Before that happened, then everything happens, right? But the NFL is the parody there is unparalleled compared yeah. to the NBA. And you know, it's not a just this era thing. They've been in this not winning the championship era, say for one year, basically my entire life. You said two things that really jumped out and that really made me think. And just to, to what you just said. Little did I know when I was watching Vince Carter. Miss a shot at the buzzer in game seven for my TV at home. Little did I know that that would be the last time I would watch a Sixers team advance past the second round of the playoffs. Like, just think about that. 2001, I was 16 years old. I don't even know if I watched the game. I was, yeah, you I were just young. turned, I did just turn six or seven. I don't even know if I remember yeah, if I watched the babe. game. Yeah, you were a babe. I, but I was a 16 year old. Allen Iverson maniac obsessed 
And I vividly remember it all. I remember them. I remember Vince Carter getting clowned because he went to his graduation in North Carolina. And could you imagine if like a Philly athlete did that now? I know. I think about it all the time. Yeah. Oh my God. It would have been the worst. Uh, I remember oh it was God. Tyrone Hill who got switched onto him and everyone's like, oh shit, this is bad. <laughs> With respect to Tyrone Hill, who was a very solid player for that team. But when you got switched on, you were like, this is not good. And Vince Carter clanks that shot and they go on. And they go on to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in seven games and, and give us Allen Iverson gives us one of the coolest highlights ever to exist in sports, I'd say, um, in the step over of Tyron Lue. We don't even have that. They didn't that win was shit. the goods. They didn't win shit, but they got that moment we talked about forever. I know. That was uh, the goods. We don't have one from this era. No. And we, we haven't, haven't had, had like, one. That in was one it. Since. That was the last had, the Eagles had, the Phillies, Sixers haven't had a moment, capital yes. M moment in the last 21 years. If you were born yes. after that game, the step over game, you would be legally allowed to drink yet now. And you wouldn't have seen a damn thing that was really truly memorable from no. this organization. Not not that's the, a shame. Like that's not, a shame. Not Bryce Harper hitting a home run in the NLCS to send him to the World Series. Like there's no moment like that. There's no Nick Foles or, moment. There's no right. Brandon Graham moment. There's not None even, you know, Mike Richards goal in the against the Canadians. Against yeah. the Canadians. That that's 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 a that's more concrete. Moment. Yeah. That's a more moment. Anything we've seen in the last wow, that's awful to think about. What's what's the biggest moment? Embiid's windmill dunk against the Raptors to go up 2 1. They didn't win the freaking, yeah. And that's you just led me into the other thing I was thinking about when we're talking about championship windows and all that. Their best chance to win a championship was 2018 2019. Yeah, it's not even close. It's... And that's the issue is that it doesn't feel like they're anywhere close to that. And if, if you're not, like if you're not a juggernaut team, you need to have those one year anomalies. They're yeah. 2004 Pistons. Although, uh, they're 2011 say, Mavs. I, they're I, not in that position to be that team. Now. I, I, you, you have to say this. They, sh- they should have beat the Hawks, right? Like they should have beaten the Atlanta Hawks that year. Like they, but they 100- didn't. And that just sums up everything about the I know. I know. No, they, no, they totally. Greater than that. 100%. That's what I'm saying. They should have like, made they, the finals. They should have won yep. the finals that year. Yep. Well, and that, that's, 2019 that's you had the, the you had the warriors walk limping into the finals um so if you take down the bucks you got the warriors sitting there totally banged up and you had a shot you had a shot to take them down and you didn't do it and i i have defended Joel and B and and the this isn't i i have really for me i i haven't been a, a like a fan fan of the team in yeah, you're, know, you, you, have, you have this rules. You have this rule, right. yeah. So, but with, you know, I, I've defended Joel a lot because he's had a lot of people come at him. I feel like I've I died 10 times for this guy <laughs> over the last 10 years <laughs> and being curious? straight up. And then I'm like, he's one of the most talented players ever lived. I, that's not hyperbolic in the slightest. No, I really no. don't think so. It's not. It's not and hyperbolic it, at all. And he's had these amazing performances, these amazing statistical performance. And it hasn't quite coalesced into what it needed to be. And maybe the organization failed him in a lot of turns. And I think that's the case. They did. Maybe the coaches yeah. did. Maybe some of his teammates did. And I think all those are true. At the end of the day, he's he's the one still here. And I don't like what I'm saying. And the other person I defended a, a pretty good bit, and again, just from the outside looking in, was was Harden. I, I've defended Harden Same. a pretty good deal over the last few months because I still thought, okay, like clearly he was hurt last year. That hamstring was was a very big issue, and I think it carried over into the playoffs. And he just didn't look good. He didn't look like himself. But we were 
this offseason, it was the hype machine. He's healthy. He's healthy now. He's signing this deal. He's betting on himself. He's taking a one-year deal so that he can hit free agency again. He's taking a player option, which, shit, he's probably picking up that player option if he keeps playing the way he's playing. But I love those player options for players who are in their, going to be in their late 30s and early 40s. And like, yeah. oh, you really don't think Russell will, like Russell Westbrook is opting in for $84 million. <laughs> like all those types of things. Like those player options are bullshit. They're opting in because they already are on the downturn and they might already suck at this point and they're going to suck even more then. I, I will preface this by saying I don't want to, and I'm not saying you're overreacting because I don't. I think every Sixers fan has a right to be pissed off. And I think every Sixers fan should, like, if you're feeling still a little be a 48, sad. 49 win team. But I think you're right to be in your feelings. And if, if you're sad yeah. about the situation, not pissed off, not angry, not trying to flip out on the team. I think sad is a acceptable emotion and one you deserve to feel. Sad is worse. Right now. Too. Like, sad, sad is worse than, sad's worse than like, anger. Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm more sad, sad than angry right bad. now. And I feel that's the vibe. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people are just down, just down bad about this team. I will say, there's a lot of season left. Sure. And Beaton Harden still are two of the most supremely talented offensive players in this game when they are healthy and when sure. they are right. But with all that said, there are some really, really, really troubling signs that I wonder if it's going to work. And the issue is you're in it. Like, you can't get out of it. Like, you definitely can't get out of it this year. And in the offseason, it's going to be really tricky to get out of it and figure it out if it doesn't work out. The easy solution, obviously, is is moving on from the coach. And that might happen. Um if they're still, I don't get that indication at all. That not, that's no, not right now. Season. No, no, no. I know. No, no. Yeah. And we talked about this before, both yeah. on and off. Like, I feel like he's the guy, and he's he's going down with the show. I'll say, I'll say this: if they're if they're still at 500, 20 games from now, maybe that seat gets warm. Okay, but I don't. Yeah, like right now, no. Uh, his organizationally, not it's not warm. It's no, warm with it, the fan base, more the media, but organizationally, oh, that's not for warm. the fan base and, the, and, and a lot of media members. It's He's, on that. It was fire. It was hot the first day he sat down on. That's yeah, true. <laughs> um, but I, I don't. I don't think we're anywhere close to that right now. I think, like I said, it would have to be this kind of slog, like five hundred basketball for the next twenty games with like everyone healthy. If that happens, um, and maybe like in Bead and and, and Harden, like it just isn't working out. That like because that's your move, right? Like, what other move do you have? You can't do anything else. You're not trading Embiid. You can't trade Harden. Uh, you're not going to trade Tyrese Maxey. You're not like you can't trade Tobias. Like, there's no move you can make that's going to like reshuffle the deck. Like, yeah, uh, Maury did well to kind of preserve some assets to have. Sure, that one trade left that he can make to get a good player, but not a not a altering season type of player. Like you, that guy's. You're not going to be able to get that guy. Before the deadline, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Darren Moore will put something out of out of his ass. He's done stuff like that before, but sure. I don't see that type of player coming here. And I, I don't know what assets they have to give a team to get that player. So your your only move, if, if things are going really south, is to move on from the coach. Then it's even trickier because do you, do you bring in Mike D'Antoni? Um, do you let Sam Cassell or Dave Yeager just take the helm for the rest of the season and be the interim guy and figure it out? And then in the offseason, where do you go? It's just it, there. I think what is the most sad about this team is there, there are just way 
way more questions than answers up and down the entire, like the only thing you have to feel good about, like really, I mean, really like that, you know, you feel good about is Tyrese Maxey. There's nothing else on this roster where I think like, yes, we are. And of course, Embiid, an MVP candidate, like as you already mentioned, one of the most talented players to maybe ever exist. He is a unicorn, but we talk about the defensive effort. We talk about the late game execution. Those are real issues and they keep coming up. Uh, and it's uh, Dave earlier brought up a really good point too. Like the Milwaukee game, if you remember, first first the home game. That was there. Embiid was was not good. He was he had a the bad worst game I've ever seen him play. Worst game I've ever seen him play. James Harden was great. James he Harden was. was cooking. At the he end was. of the game, who got the ball? Joel Embiid. In Houston, Joel Embiid was really good offensively. Scored damn near forty points. At the end of the and James Harden was awful. At the end of the game, who got the ball? James that Harden. Play, like, the play what? just summed up the last five, six years, seven years. Like, you know, but kind of, yes. But like, that's the kind of stuff that this is why the fans are down. This is why they're pissed off because why does that happen? How does that happen? And uh, I just, I, I totally understand the frustration level. I, I, I get it. I don't know what the fix is. I don't know that there is a fix. The only thing I can say is, again, you have two immensely, immensely talented offensive basketball players. If they can get their act together and figure it out and figure out the best way to play off each other where they're both getting the most out of each other, which they have proved they have not proven they can do quite yet. You see flashes of it. You see the occasional unbelievable pocket pass from Harden to Embiid and Embiid has a strong finish or whatever. You see it occasionally, but you don't see it consistently and you don't see it enough to where I think this team is any better than what they've been. And that's at best a second round exit. And then the other thing I would say, Another reason why I get the fans and why I don't feel good about this team going forward, I look at the Boston Celtics and I look at the Milwaukee Bucks. They are in a different stratosphere. Playing a different sport. Than the Sixers. Watch what I watched last night. Those two teams play a different freaking sport. Yep. And it's not to say that they're like the Bucks have their down games. The Celtics sure. have their down sure. games. Sure. It happens. They don't have a three-game stretch like we just saw the Sixers have. That doesn't happen. And Milwaukee's been banged up all year. They haven't had Chris Middleton all season. They haven't had Joe Ingles. They've been banged up all season long, and they're still playing great basketball. Even the Celtics, they've been banged up, right? They haven't had Robert Williams all season long. Gallinari was one of their big free agent acquisitions. He hasn't played. So you just can't really make excuses for this team. And it's, it's, it is. It's just sad, I think, is the best way to, to, to sum it up. I want to fast forward through this season. I want it to be July. I'm down the shore. I'm listening to the Phillies on the radio. My wife's wearing a Super Bowl 57 champs hat. That's I, I don't want to even I don't want to deal with this, but I will. It's my job and I'm the sicko, and this is what I live even outside of work when I'm just stuck watching the friggin' team. Yes. Mm. I feel that way about the Sisyphus other is here. Sisyphus was a Sixers fan. I tell you. It's um yeah, it's it's and that we're we're running we're up against it here, so we're not even going to get into the Flyers. I went to Flyers game last Tuesday. I had a blast. They won. Yeah, well, we talked you know about that. that. We, we talked was no because we were supposed to do a. Sh- did we record the next day? We did because we recorded on Wednesday. We recorded after okay. Wednesday. So yeah, but we that was did. fun. There was fights. They won. It's great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to a game in January, so that'll be fun. Nice. Um, yeah, free tickets. So that's the way that goes. Uh, but we talked about it. that's it's that's I live my life off of free tickets most of the time. I rarely pay for stuff, and I don't say that that's not a flex, not even a little bit. That's to say, like I just don't 
there's we, other... we deserve nice things sometimes sure sports writers and there's fake, there's with our there, fake i was gonna jobs. say I, i'm a sports writer so i don't i don't <laughs> i we don't have my, real jobs. Where I spend my money wisely oh we um, talk about that a lot don't we <laughs> And we're going to end it on that note this week for the Thirsty Dogs Drink Faster podcast. Please rate, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Hopefully we will be talking about yet another Eagles win next Tuesday and maybe some better news for, for the Sixers and hopefully hopefully another free agent signing for the Phillies because last week I doubted it. Dave Dombrowski, you son of a bitch. You pulled me. You, you proved me wrong. Trey Turner is a Philly. That's the good stuff. That's the stuff that I'll choose to think about uh, for the next week or so. For Seamus Clancy, I am Paul Hudrick, and we will talk to you all next time.